0: bra off, which means I'm ready to record. Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About?, to which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date, which means it is time for season five, episode six. I always calculate it like, okay, I'm on disc two and this is the second episode in disc two. So yes, six. (laughs) Okay. So you guys ready? Entitled family with a brief discussion of the angel episode that aired on the same night back in the year 2000, which was called guys will be guys spelled G U I S E. Yeah. See what they did there. Okay. Um, does it annoy you guys that you can always hear my chair squeaking? No one's ever said anything, so I'm going to assume it's fine. (laughs) Because I'm just like, I can't sit still, so I just kind of like, yeah, anyway, whatever. All right, guys, first of all, it is, you know, 20 years after this episode aired, which means it's November 7th in the year of our Lord, 2020. And it's been a good day for human beings that like to, that live in America and like to be governed by someone that cares about other human beings, at least, a mediocre base level degree. (laughs) Also, our first female vice president is forthcoming. You guys, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty excited about that. Um I felt pretty confident this time that it was going to go okay. Of course I did back in 2016 as well, but I was completely blindsided with how much we hate women in our society. We hate them so much that we will elect a person that does not give a shit about other human beings and does not have any leadership qualities at all whatsoever. Like, politics aside, whether you identify as any political party, like, it just seems, it just seems like unquestionable that this is a person that doesn't give a shit about other people. And a person that doesn't give a shit about other people shouldn't be governing them. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. (sighs) Huh. I know it's been a very stressful year. It's been a very stressful month. It's been a very stressful few days since the election. So I just, I'm not going to say anything else about it. I just wanted to take a moment to celebrate the fact that we are going to have a female vice president and a woman of color, which is pretty fucking cool. So That is something that I am actually really excited about. So let's move on. I'm going to um, start this moment off with, as we customarily do, a nice little shot of whiskey in my beautiful handmade skull shot glass that kind of leaks. So, you know, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so according to Nikki Stafford's episode guide, this is the plot of the episode. When Tara's family shows up in Sunnydale, she, she uses extreme measures to prevent Willow and the gang from discovering her secret. So this is the one where Tara finally, we finally get like a little bit more... Insight into Terra. It's not been explicitly stated yet and won't be until the body. Sorry to bring that episode up. Um, Also, this is not a spoiler-free Buffy podcast, just in case you're tuning in for the first time today for some weird reason. Um, If you want a spoiler-free Buffy podcast, that is arguably a lot better than mine. Um, consult buffering the vampire slayer. Okay, guys, um, let's do this thing. It is, it's really funny because remember, do you guys remember, remember that time, the last episode two weeks ago today um, when I had this, I had the story of spilling wine all over everything right before I pressed record and it was It was 10.01 when I sat down at my table and spilled the wine. When I got up to come into my little closet space to record, I looked at my clock and it was (laughs) 10.01. So I had a moment where I was like, okay, let's, what could I spill right now? (laughs) Let's prevent any disasters from happening. It's fine. It's fine how many candles do we have lit today? I'm I'm sure everyone is asking. We have four. Oh my god, one of them is seriously flaming. Okay, I need to, I'm gonna pause for a second and cut that wick down a little bit. I have these candles, I think I'm almost, I think I'm out, I'm gonna be out of them soon. I bought these like kind of cheap candles from like a witchy store online, votive candles, and they're just not working out, guys. Either the wick is like so short that it can't stay lit, and you have to like excavate the wax to relight it. Or it's so freaking long that the candles like whoo, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a candle magic person. I like have always had candles lit all the time, forever. Okay. You guys, I have three hair ties on my arm. How did that happen? Okay. <laughs> Let's focus, okay as per the usual, I did have an eight hour shift today. And then I came home and took the dogs for a walk and ate dinner and like all that stuff. So it is 1020. Let's get going. Um, this is okay. I'm not sure, like before I even look at my notes, I just kind of want to talk about this episode as far as it being like, like that thing that, you know, you know how RuPaul, You might not know RuPaul, but you know how RuPaul has like 10 different things that he says all the time. One of those 10 things is that gay people, we get to choose our family. And that's just like a recurring theme, something that he says a lot. And that is what this episode is. This episode is about chosen family versus blood kin. I mean, it's just spelled out in the end of the episode when Tara's dad is saying, what are you going to do? We're her blood kin. And then Buffy responds with, we're family. And I think that's really, that's the whole point of this episode is that it ultimately I mean, not that it doesn't matter because it definitely matters. It definitely hurts you to your core if you're not accepted by your family, your, your blood can family. Um, and I don't actually know what that's like on the whole, like my dad and I had a really terrible relationship, but I was always accepted by my mother, like pretty much unconditional love. Thanks, mom. I love you. I know you're listening. See, she listens too. She listens to all my goddamn podcasts. I have my radio show and she's very supportive. Um, my actual biological mother, my blood kin. <laughs> um, I have sort of a complicated relationship with my sister. Um, I am realizing that I have a complicated relationship with my grandparents in my older age, although I would have previously said that we're close. They're very like, they will do anything for me and my sister. But there's this like level of acceptance that I feel like I don't have from them. And it's, it's very subtle too, So like the fact that I can have this sort of like, I don't know if I'm entirely accepted by my grandparents, subtle conversation, whatever. Um, when there are people that are outright explicitly rejected by their family because of something, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine like, I know that if I were to come out to my family and tell them that like I'm gay or something equivalent to that, something that would be probably difficult for my grandparents who were born in the 30s to accept, I know that they would still accept me. I've never questioned that. I know that there would be like some uncomfortable moments. Um, But there would never be, like, I've never even really been yelled at by my grandparents, you know? Um, and I've probably only been yelled at by my mother, like, five times in my childhood, maybe. And even then, my definition of being yelled at by my mom wouldn't have been her, like, really, really raising her voice. It would have been just a stern tone, you know? Um, So I'm very, very, very lucky, but I still have a complicated web of insecurities, just like every human being does. So I just want to take a moment for anyone listening right now that feels like some aspect of who you are at your core is something that either your family doesn't know and you think they couldn't accept or is something that they do know and they didn't accept. Please know that as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as the things that make you who you are, aren't taking choices away from others, you're okay. And if you haven't found your chosen family yet, if your blood kin has rejected you and you haven't found your chosen family, you will find them. They exist On the whole, people really do want to love and accept each other. And I think most people do. Even if you feel rejected by others, sometimes it's just the way that they show love and affection and acceptance is not the way that you can accept it. And that's not, that's not an excuse for when you've been explicitly rejected by people that should love you. If your parents did not give you love and acceptance, then it's okay to move on from them. It's okay. You don't need to, God, something that um, TPN said in his episode guide for this, for this episode. What was it? Um, Hold on. Let me, let me think about it for a second so I can get it right. Oh shit. He said it much better than I can, th- basically the gist of it was that sacrifice when you don't have a choice is servitude is basically what he said. Like if you feel like you have to hide parts of yourself, that's what this episode is about to its core. If you feel like you have to hide a piece of yourself from your family in order for them to accept you then it's not a real relationship. It's not sacrifice. It's servitude. You know, um, that's, it feels like kind of clunky, but I hope you know what I'm saying. The, the words aren't exactly right. Um, I can't imagine how heavy that must feel to, I remember when I first came out to my mom. I remember the moment that I first came out to my mom as bisexual. Now, I would actually, since we have more words to describe things now, I would actually call myself gray sexual pan romantic. But at the time, bisexual seemed like the closest term to who I was. And I remember when I first told her, and it was just sort of like a weird moment that just kind of like came out. And I had like one of my closest friends in the car. I think my little sister was in the car. It was in the car. <laughs> driving down the road. My mom's driving and me and one of my best friends and my little sister. And, um, it was just kind of like a moment that was very, one of those things where you, you just blurt something out and it was associated with a joke because my mom was saying something like, she was literally saying to me, I don't care if you're gay, I don't care if you're straight, just don't be bisexual because they get all the diseases. (laughs) And I just said, but I am mom. I am bisexual. And I don't remember her saying anything else. It was probably just like, she probably took a couple of beats and then went, well, okay, Stephanie, that's fine. You know, she was, you know, it was just, she was making a joke about bisexuality. And I, that was my moment to come out to her, I guess. And she probably doesn't even remember it, you know, because it wasn't a thing. It was just, I saw that as being my moment to say my truth. I did it and that was it, you know? Um, Anyway, do you remember that moment, mom? She always texts me on like Monday or Tuesday when she listens to this and responds to things that I've said. Hey, I don't work this Monday, mom. So if you're listening on Monday, I will actually see the text immediately when you send it and I can answer you. Um, anyway, so I just want to take a moment, like that whole chosen family thing. That's, that's a big deal. And if you're, if you're at a moment in your life where you're ready or you feel like you might be ready or you might be close to being ready to telling your truth to your blood kin family. Do it, baby. Rip that band, rip that band-aid off. If you feel safe to do so, if you, if you have a place to go, should the worst happen, if you get kicked out of your house or something, if, as long as you feel safe to tell your truth, if the, if the thing that you're fearing by telling your truth is a lack of acceptance and not like actual violence or being kicked out of your house and not having a place to live. As long as you'll still be safe by telling your truth, if what you're scared of is just lack of acceptance and ridicule, which not to say that's just anything, but what I'm saying is as long as you are reasonably safe to tell your truth, and if you're thinking about it, this is your sign. Do it. Because if, I don't know, my thought process is that if someone does reject you for something that is who you are, fuck them, you know? Um, I grew up, like, I know that, like, coming out as gay to your parents is, I would assume it's a lot different now than it was whenever, like, I was in high school. Back then, you know at the time when I was in high school, which would have been like 97 to 01, I graduated in 01. um, I think we had, like, to my knowledge, I can only think of two gay men and zero gay women. And bisexuality was something that, like, people in my sort of, like, niche goth subculture group. Like most of the women would call themselves bisexual in my group, but I mean, I guess there were a few gay women too. Like I would say a handful, like less than 10 in my whole high school. And I would think that like, I don't actually know the numbers, but I would think that my high school was about a thousand students. I may be off about that, but out of like a thousand students, less than 10 would have been out as gay or bi. Um, back then, um, it was just not something you did. Like people came out later. Um, back then it was just too dangerous to come out in high school. And only the very, very brave did it, such as my brother. <laughs> so you might be listening too. So you're brave you're definitely brave. Um, I know that it's different now. I don't know how different it is now. I don't have kids. I I have no clue how different it is now, but, um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, except that like you will find your family. If it's not your blood kin that accepts you for something that you are, you will find your family. It's possible. Anyway, <laughs> that's what this episode is about. That's what this episode is about. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, um, let's, let's read my notes and see if I have something else to say about it. Purple papa Tara is staying over at Willow's. So the episode opens with Tara is out Willow's dorm and they're playing with their cat, Kitty Fantastico, which I don't think we've seen since the Restless episode, Um, and there's little moments of, this is the first episode written and directed by Joss Whedon since Restless, which was the last episode of season four. And this opening scene kind of harkens back to that, probably on purpose, because we're seeing Tara tell Willow like a bedtime story about a cat and you're seeing the cat play with a little ball of fuzz on the floor, just like the cat was in slow motion playing with yarn in Willow's dream in Restless. So you're seeing that happen. It's just this nice, comfortable moment. That's something that this episode really does well. You see all these different scenes throughout the episode of like Willow and Tara super comfortable with each other, like going to bed, cuddling together um, at night. And it feels natural. And then um, everyone, Riley, Giles, Dawn, Buffy, Willow, Tara, Anya, Xander, they're all helping Buffy move. Apparently they just moved her into the dorm. um, As she's just gone back to school for the semester. And now they're moving her out because, ostensibly because of um, her mom being sick, which we don't see Joyce at all in this episode. She isn't even like, really referred to. There's no like, yeah, mom's upstairs. She's not feeling well. Like nothing. Like, come on guys, <laughs> throw us a bone. <laughs> it's like when Tara's is just a- completely absent for an entire episode, no one even mentions her as if she doesn't exist. Anyway, so there, that's a really sweet moment where you see like Xander and Riley are kind of like, you know, joking around, kind of playing around as if they're friends which we really haven't seen a lot of that. And Riley's about to leave, you know? And I think this scene is in there just to show us that they had a relationship. Of course, we did. We have seen them, like, have conversations together, I guess. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, like, character- friendship development between Riley and Xander because we're supposed to believe that they were pretty close, but we don't actually see it very often. It's just referred to often later. Um, Whatever Xander seems to really miss Riley and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there nor there at the moment that, that particular scene where they were all helping Buffy move out of the dorm was just nice. It was a natural scene where everybody was just kind of like, you know, playing around, hanging out with each other. It's family. You know, this episode is reinforcing that these people are all a chosen family. And there's so many different parallels to that, right? Like, we just found out that, like, Dawn is the key, whatever the fuck that is. (laughs) And she's not actually Buffy's sister. And we just found that out and Buffy has decided to protect her. In fact, I I skipped over that, but the, I think the very, very, no, that's not the first one. I didn't skip it. Um, Giles and Buffy talking, she's still wearing the outfit that she was wearing at the end of the last episode. And she's just told Giles that Dawn is not real. And they're having a conversation. And this is like a really, really sweet moment. I liked it a lot. It's a sweet, sweet, sweet moment. Sorry, that was a reference to a B-52 song called "Keish Lorraine. I just loved this so much. Any, like, we we get them. We definitely get these moments. But I'd like to see more of these, like, father, daughter, Buffy, Giles moments. It's, I guess it's just because I don't really have those kind of moments in my own life. You know what I'm saying? So like, it just seemed so sweet to me, this, this exchange, you know, it's Giles and Buffy talking to each other about uh, Giles is the only person, this is very significant, Giles is the only person that Buffy confided in when she found out that Dawn wasn't really her sister. That's big. That's huge. She didn't, and refuses to, talk to Riley about it, which we'll get into. She didn't tell anyone else because she thinks that they're going to act weird around Dawn, which is true. I understand her... I understand Buffy's decision to not tell anyone else right now, especially, like give it a minute you know I understand that but it's big it's big that she immediately without even like I mean it's not even the next day she's still wearing that weird like glittery gold viking helmet t-shirt or whatever that she was wearing when she did like the tripping ritual she's still wearing it so you can imagine that she immediately gets home that situation and she calls Giles and says come over now and he comes over immediately because he's a great dad (laughs) um I just love Giles so much like if you count the times that he's been a dick over seven full seasons on Buffy the Vampire Slayer you can count them on one hand you know, there was that moment that he commiserated with motherfucking Xander whenever he was a hyena and almost raped Buffy, tried to rape Buffy. I mean, I guess he didn't almost rape Buffy because it wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have been able to do it. But there was that moment that he was like, your secret's safe with me or whatever the fuck that moment was. You guys, I feel really drunk from that one shot. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm slurring. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, like whenever I record these late at night and I drink with you guys, it it really affects me a lot, you know, in a good way. Like I enjoy it. I just hope I don't sound ridiculous. (sniffs) I hope I don't sound ridiculous. Okay. (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) Father-daughter moments. Okay, so this episode is obviously making a lot of allegories between about dads. You know, you see three different examples of dads, um, in this episode. So there's Giles who is present and also he is deferring to Buffy. He is, he's the correct father figure because what he does for Buffy is he provides like gentle guidance without telling her what to do. And then we see Tara's dad who doesn't even really refer to her as a human being. He's referring to her as an object, an object that reinforces his narcissism in um, the passionate nerds, YouTube series. He was referring to like, he called him two different things that I thought was funny the Tara's dad. He called him Daddy Dearest, which obviously very fitting, and Captain Gaslight. So you see Tara's dad, who, he doesn't even really talk to her as if she's a person. He talks to her as if she is a child. a An object to be controlled. A servant. Um, yeah. And then we get reference to Buffy's dad. So I want to talk about Buffy's dad for a second. Buffy's actual bio dad. So obviously several different moments of like, there's so many different parallels. So like Buffy has chosen family. Buffy's real dad, actual like family dad is Giles. Her bloodkin dad, Hank, is absent. And it was pointed out, this is not something that I necessarily picked up on, but it was pointed out in both the TPN YouTube guide and Nikki Stafford's episode guide pointed this out as well. Like in the past, we've seen Hank be like a kind of bumbling, not great dad, but now he's a bad dad. And it was pointed out in the TPN guide. So, okay, in the past, like we have only like seen Hank on screen, like two different episodes at this point. Um, and it was more like he was trying, but he wasn't doing great. He wasn't a great dad. He didn't really know where he fit in after the divorce. Um, but he was kind of trying. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't terrible. But now, the narrative is like Buffy saying in the scene between her and Giles, when they're talking about Dawn and like what to do about the whole situation. She says that he ran off with his secretary and he's in Spain with his secretary. And she called him whenever her mom got sick and he never even returned the call. So this is like, this is a, this is a shift for Hank. You know, he, he was bumbling, kind of absentee dad this made sense to me initially that like at first he didn't really know where he fit in but he was still trying to be a part of Buffy's life and then he just sort of decided to write her off this this for some reason just like didn't even phase me and that's probably because like I haven't seen a lot of examples of good dads in my personal life (laughs) um yeah But it was pointed out in both the TPN guide and the, um, and Nikki Stafford's episode guide, Bite Me, that, you know, he suddenly is a terrible dad. Like, what's up with that? And TPN kind of, um, suggested that maybe this has something to do with the insert of the Dawn memories. Like something shifted the narrative of Hank in the insertion of these memories. The addition of Dawn into the storyline somehow made him even worse of a dad. And, you know, I can accept that. But actually, as I'm thinking about it more, I just accept it the way that it is. I mean, that's how this goes a lot of the time. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's just my sort of distrust in all dad figures and that's why I like cling so dearly to the Giles and Buffy relationship because like it's I don't know it's so beautiful and perfect I love this conversation I'm like I'm still talking about this like it's like a I don't know minute and a half conversation that they have where it's just so sweet that Buffy chose to confide in him and she didn't even think twice about it Buffy is usually she would usually like sleep on it. She would usually agonize about it. She usually doesn't let anyone in, not even Giles, but she didn't even think twice. She like immediately gets home and calls him, you know, she's still wearing the same goddamn clothes. It's, it's really beautiful. I don't know. (laughs) I just think it's really beautiful that like Buffy trusts no one ultimately, but she trusts Giles. And he's the one that's there. He's the one that's the chosen dad. And she also just like, without even thinking twice about it. And I know I talked about this already. As soon as she fucking finds out that Dawn is not actually her sister, she's like, well, she feels like my sister to me. So I'm going to protect her. It was not even a second thought. She didn't even have to think about it she just immediately was like well we're in this and Giles is asking her these questions too he's like well what do you think we should do should we tell everybody should we like what should we do and he's probably even thinking like should we even protect Dawn if she's not real should we even protect her but he immediately defers to Buffy and what her judgment is Anyway, I need to move on. I feel like I'm really like focusing on that moment between Giles and Buffy. Um, Oh, I had a note. Xander is too buff. Um, I just feel like it's a little too, it's almost like Okay, like, I'm imagining the writer's room. Like, they're like, okay, Nicholas Brendan has gotten a little too in shape this season, you guys. What are we going to do about it? Okay, let's write an episode where he's, like, dealing with his, like, bumbling nerdiness and, like, what does it mean that he's an adult now and blah, blah, blah. And then they wrote the replacement and then they decided immediately that, like, wardrobe was allowed to put him in super tight shirts and stuff and show off how... Buffy is. Like, I'm not gonna lie. He looks good. He looks good. But also it's like, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it's just, I feel like I really focus on like things like wardrobe and props and sets and lighting and things like that. I really focus in on that kind of thing so I really wish that they had made the decision to kind of more gradually like accept Xander as buff more confident dude you know I just I don't accept as far as character development is concerned that like one episode taught him everything he needed to know about his psyche and dealing with all his shit and now he's totally fine and he's totally good with accepting tighter shirts or whatever. I mean, he looks good. He looks real good. Um, speaking of men that look real good in this episode, Ben, when he takes his shirt off, am I right, guys? That was a nice moment. Like, he's cute. (laughs) Am I in heat right now? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) I usually don't even think boys are cute, like, ever. So this whole episode happens in, like, one day, and then you get to see Tara's birthday party, which is like the next day. And that's just the last scene. So everybody's in like the same outfits throughout the whole day. Like you see the night before, you see that scene between um, Tara and Willow, and you see that scene between Giles and Buffy, assuming that those are, those two things are kind of happening at the same time the night before. And then the full day is most of the episode. So, Okay. Will's necklace why is everyone still weird around tara i i feel like they were just like really playing up the whole like who is tara she's so weird i don't know anything about her blah 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 i think they really leaned too hard into that storyline like they could have i think it was at an eight and it needed to be at a four you know what i'm saying like i could have understood that they still didn't fully know how to connect to Tara if they dialed it back a little bit I don't know I guess I felt a little triggered by this and it's because I'm usually the person making the weird insect reflection type jokes and no one understands um I'm usually the one like stuttering and like being super weird (laughs) you know um I identify a little too hard with Tara I think And I just feel like they were like the whole, I mean, I guess it was all supposed to be an allegory for like, Willow is gay now. What does that mean? I guess it was all just a metaphor for that. And in that way I can accept it. But just all the conversations about, I don't know who Tara is. I don't know what she likes. All I know is that she's nice. All of that just felt a little too heavy handed to me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, let me know your thoughts at mixtressray at protonmail.com. Thank you. Um, I would love to hear all your feedback. Okay. What else we got? Topless Ben. Okay. Yes. We talked about that. Okay. I was obsessing a little bit too much about Tara's birthday. I was thinking about the fact that, okay, so obviously she's a Scorpio, obviously, because you know, her birthday, it's the beginning of November, right now, Scorpio. But if we're taking this like real literal, like in this episode that came out on November 7th, the year 2000, her 20th birthday was the day after most of this episode takes place. So if we're taking it real literal, her birthday is November 8th and 1980 because she would have turned 20 in the year two thousand twenty 20 years ago. So Tara is 40 years old today, guys, or tomorrow. Happy birthday, Tara. Yes. So I took it a step further. Not only she's Scorpio, but like what I do for my tarot readings. So if you want a tarot reading from me, this is something that I do for you. I ask you for your birthday and I calculate your soul card. My dog is howling right now. I think he has a really cute howl. So I'm going to leave it in. Um, if you calculate Tara's soul card, which is based on numerology, you add her month, her day and her year of birth together. So this is tarot related. So Tara's soul card is the wheel of fortune. Just a fun little note. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) I could sit here and talk about what that means for Tara to be a wheel of fortune card, but I'm going to move on. Um, Anya's feeling fulfilled. I liked this little moment. This is like possibly one of the very first little moments between Giles and Anya. So Anya's like, you know, she says something to Giles. Like when she, as soon as like she helps a customer and they leave the store, she says, I really like this. Like I'm a helpful part of society now or something like I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, I help them. I give them goods. They give me money and I'm contributing to society. Like she is starting to feel like she has a place as a human being. And Giles, like kind of, he just like smiles at her and it's just a sweet little moment. Okay. What else we got? Um, oh, this is just, I don't know. I found this a little gross. So we see like a little fantasy of like Spike fighting with Buffy and she's like attacking him with her vagina and whatever. And she's doing that thing that like all the superhero chicks do where they like, you know, scissor you and, and flip you and like, whatever. I didn't like it. And it's like, So Spike is having sex with Harmony while he's fantasizing about fighting with Buffy. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I get that, like, Spike's evil. He's going to be, like, going about this in completely the wrong way. And he's still sort of getting used to the idea that he is into Buffy because he hasn't realized that he's into Buffy until two episodes ago or whatever. But I don't know. I just didn't like that. I don't know. I just felt bad for harmony. You know, I just felt bad for harmony. Like if you're fantasizing about being with someone else while you're having sex with someone, like break it off. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, I guess that's not always probably the case, but like he's clearly obsessed with Buffy. Like every single scene that we see Spike in, in this episode, like he's gazing lovingly into the eyes of that like mannequin head with the terrible blonde plastic wig when Harmony comes in in a later scene. It's just like, it's just gross. And this is not, I love Spike having a thing for Buffy. I love Spike having a crush on Buffy, but I don't love it until Harmony's out of the picture. This is not fair to Harmony. It's just not. Um, and as we'll see later, Drusilla already left Spike because she knew that he was in love with Buffy. So, and that was years ago. Years. Okay, let's get back in here. <laughs> um. Oh, I liked this moment where like, um. so Buffy and Xander are talking about Tara. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know about Tara. Like Tara's birthday is so hard. Why do I get her? And they're just being dicks. I don't know. Like they're not really being dicks, but I just feel triggered by that moment because I've always felt like a pariah around people. So I feel like this is the conversation that people have about me. Like, I don't know. Why do we have to hang out with Stephanie? Like what? (laughs) Anyway, um, so Giles kind of interjects at one moment and he's like, you're in a magic shop and you don't know what Tara would like. You're both profoundly stupid <laughs> i really liked that moment like yeah giles knows he knows he's he doesn't anyway i just like that moment it's like <laughs> giles gets me wait he gets tara <laughs> me whatever tara um okay where are we um minty mug minty mug siding yes giles still has his minty mug there was a moment later in the episode where Willow gets thrown against like the coffee cart by one of the demons and I actually rewound it and paused it to make sure that she wasn't crashing into the minty mug this could be the death of the minty mug but I don't think it was on the table at that moment so we'll probably see it again okay hippie candle okay so in the magic shop on one of the like shelves in the background of one of the scenes, which I was spending a lot of time pausing during the scenes in the magic shop to look at what was in the background. Cause I'm like, Ooh, what's that? What kind of crystal is that? Is that a tarot deck? <laughs> That's just where I'm at right now. And one of the candles that was on the shelf, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's a, like an orb like circular candle. And it was, it's a very specific style It's like, those of y'all that are around my age, I'm 38. Back in the mid to late 90s, there was sort of a resurgence of 70s style. And it's a very specific, like, pink, hippie flower candle. I had that fucking candle. (laughs) And it was just... I've seen it in other TV shows as well. Um, It's my object of the episode because I definitely had it in high school and I would love to have it again. So that's my object of the episode. It was like pink and purple and yellow and it was just like this circular candle that had one of those like hippie flowers, but it was like the 90s version of the resurgence of those 70s hippie flowers it's just like a very specific thing you know what I'm saying all that shit always comes back you know guys I'm out of ginger ale should I go get a refill or just like be thirsty the rest of this episode I don't know how much do I really have to talk about this anymore okay there's a an important conversation between Riley and Buffy like he's about to leave her like let's look ahead when is that going to happen Actually, I don't know what the name of the episode is when he leaves her. I don't know what it is. So I don't know how long it is. Anyway. Um, and it was just another heartbreaking moment for Riley, really, because he, okay. So Buffy comes home at one point and he like comes down the stairs and he has just taken all of Buffy's shit and put it back integrated it seamlessly back into her bedroom without her there. He moved her back in and she's like, thank you. There could be outfits in your thanking blah, 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 stupid, like whatever. And she starts being like real weird towards Dawn. She won't let her go across the street to have dinner with her friend across the fucking street. That's a little overprotective. Like I realize like what's going on right now, but I don't like how heavy handed they're being with like how Buffy's not letting Don do anything at all ever. There's a- another moment later in the episode where Don wants to buy a book from the magic shop with her own money and Buffy's like, no, it's just like, she just says no for no reason. And it reminds me of, <sighs> so my sister used to be married to a total douchebag and he would tell my nephew, he's not my nephew's bio dad, by the way, he would tell my nephew, like he would ask if he could have a glass of water and he would tell my nephew, no, no like, for no reason. He would say something like, not right now, buddy. (laughs) Like, just so he could say no. And this reminds me of that. And Just like, the way that she treats Dawn right now just reminds me of that. And it just really bugs me. It's just like, okay, I get being protective, but you could have shown that In a different way. Not like preventing her from going across the street to her friend's house. Not preventing her from buying a book from the magic shop that Giles owns. You know, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. Just one of those detail things that really bothers me. Okay. Where are we? Hippie candle. Okay. Then the Tara's brother guy comes into the to the I was really triggered by this moment too because like the way that he's treating everyone like are you guys all witches don't cast a spell on me and turn me into a frog okay the way that he was just talking to everyone was really triggering for me it just like reminded me of so many moments of like you know being a gothic witchy kid in high school and just like the bullshit that people in my Midwest town would say to me all the time. It really like brought me back to those moments. So anyway, so Tara's brother comes in and then we see her cousin Beth played by Amy Adams and her dad, um, Captain Gaslight, Daddy Dearest. And Tara is, I really enjoyed watching like the reactions of everyone in the background. Tara is really uncomfortable immediately when she sees her family and everyone in the background was doing a really good job. Like Willow, um, Xander, Giles, Buffy. They were all kind of like feeling really strange. Like, what is this? What's the deal with this? This was like what they needed to get to know Tara. They needed to see her with her blood kin, apparently. And it was just, it was kind of sweet. It was kind of sweet to see them sort of like holding back, kind of like ready to come to her. I feel like even this first scene, they were ready to come to Tara's defense if need be. They could immediately, they knew how uncomfortable she was. And they were like keeping these people at arm's length. Like, what's up with these people? Do I need to jump in? You know, I don't know. I just got that feeling that they were just immediately protective of her, despite the fact that like so far in this episode, everybody's kind of like laying it on real thick that they don't understand Tara. I don't know. I just really, I don't know. I noticed that and I like that. Okay. I feel like I'm going really slow here. Blah, blah, blah. Family makes you crazy. That was said in the episode. Okay. So this conversation between Riley and Buffy, I kind of cut it off. Um, I just really feel for Riley. I know I'm always talking about that, but like, so he just moved her back into her fucking house and she does all this weirdness, like doesn't let Dawn go across the street. And then he calls her out after Don leaves the room. He's like, what's up with this? Like, there's more to this. Like, not letting her go across the street. There's something going on. I know there's something going on. Tell me. And she won't. And he... I like this because it's almost... It almost feels like they know who Riley is as a character. Riley is a psych major. He understands human behavior. He's going to be able to see through Buffy's bullshit. And he's going to be like, no, but really what's going on? That tracks for me. And she just won't let him in. She won't. And he actually says, every time I think you're going to let me in. And then he gets up and he says, I'm going. If you need something, I'll come running. If you want to let me in on anything. And it's just so heartbreaking, you know, because he like, he leaves and she's just kind of like, okay, well, I'm glad he's gone. I mean, she doesn't say that. And she doesn't like, anyway, Buffy's not really that bothered when Riley decides to like keep his distance for a while, you know, and we see him later at, at Willie's, (laughs) the demon bar. We see him like having drinks and Sandy walks up. So Sandy is a vampire and I recognized her and I didn't realize why I recognized her until TPN um, pointed out that she was the same actress that um, Willow's doppelganger, like the vamp Willow um, in Doppelgangland she like killed her. It was the human that she killed in that episode. <laughs> I did not make that connection except I thought I really I recognize her for more than just this moment with Riley. So anyway, vampire sits next to him while she's, while he's drinking. And like, it's referred to by the bartender that he comes in night after night. So Riley's taken to drinking in a demon bar because of how isolated he feels from Buffy. That's important to note. Yes. Um, okay. Let's get back to blah, blah, blah. You decide you want to let me in on any of it. Let me know. I'll come running. That's what, um, Bradley says before he leaves. So we get a scene between Tara and her dad. He has let himself into her fucking room and he's picking up her crystal dildo. <laughs> this is an obvious, like, Joss Whedon joke that he's like picking up a crystal dildo the roughly the size and shape of a dildo and referring to it as a toy quote unquote and he's basically saying to her I thought you would grow out of this phase this like witch phase and he tells her that like you know when you turn 20 you're gonna turn into a demon just like your mother did you need to come home to your family and he basically tells her that in the morning she's gonna be coming home with them um there's this whole, like, subplot where Glory, like, traps this snaky tongue demon guy and convinces him to get his friends to kill Buffy, and Tara does a spell on everyone because she has been properly gaslighted by her family, and she thinks that she's part demon, so she puts a spell on them so that they can't see the demon part of her, but of course... The spell goes awry, and it means that they can't see any demons, including Spike, who is only part demon. Which, as we'll find out later in, like, the sort of Buffyverse, you know, mythology, all demons that we have seen on the show are not full-blood demons. Um, so, Tara's spell goes awry. I didn't realize until this time watching this that um, that moment when Tara and Willow are doing that spell last season or they're trying to Willow was trying to locate demons on a map or something um, and Tara sabotages the spell I always thought that she was sabotaging the spell because she didn't like how much Willow was using magic but it's obvious at this point that they were alluding to this moment because Tara thinks that she's part demon because her family has properly gaslit her um, into thinking that she's part demon. So she sabotaged that spell because she thought that it would out her as a demon. Anyway, I didn't make that connection until this time watching it. Outfit of the episode. um, Shit. Buffy was wearing terrible... She was wearing this terrible shirt most of this episode. It was awful. Um, but I really liked Willow. She was wearing, throughout most of the episode since most of the episode takes place in one day, she was wearing this like olive green and like deep plum purple combo of like shirt and cardigan and her necklace matched. It was like this beaded really pretty necklace and those two colors. And, um, I really liked that, but the real outfit of the episode is Tara at the very end when she's wearing the, oh, that's the real object of the episode too. Like I'd love to have that candle, but I think it would be more important for me We might see that candle again. So I'm going to save that candle. Actually, I'm going to change my answer of object of the episode to Tara's velvet shirt at the very end of the episode when she's floating at her birthday party with Willow. It's a black velvet sort of witchy button up V-neck shirt and there are like daisies on it, but they're not white daisies. Is it called a Gerbera daisy if it has color? What is it called if it looks like a daisy, but it's a colorful daisy? Um, they're like in jewel tones, like olive greens and sort of like mauve pinks. It was so beautiful. That like velvety flower witchy shirt that Tara was wearing at the end is my actual object of the episode because I will wear the shit out of that. Okay it's my thing. Okay. Also, I really just, every time we see Tara's bedroom, dorm room, whatever, I pause constantly so I can look at the background. She has a tape deck. She has crystals. She has really cool posters and like vintage looking postcards and things on her walls. She obviously has like haphazardly painted black walls and black doors and those white Christmas lights all over her room. She has black lace curtains. She has white crocheted, like duvet cover thing, which I've talked about before, but she also has like a plethora of gorgeous decorative pillows all over her bed, like Beautiful olive greens and mauve, like um, batik-looking prints. And it's just like, ah, oh, I love it. I love all the textures and the colors. And Tara, you know how to decorate. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> I noticed at one point there was one scene when Harmony comes back from like shopping and she's talking to Spike about like killing the shopkeeper or whatever at some store. She's wearing a shirt that has the word Harmony on it, like bedazzled onto it with jewels. I just thought that was funny. Um, Internalized misogyny from Amy Adams. We see Amy, like, confront Tara at one point and, like, tell her, you need to go back with your dad. Like, they've... Your dad and your brother have had to fend for themselves since you left. (laughs) They've had to feed themselves and shit. (laughs) Like you're so neglectful. i was so sad to see, but I think it was effective. Like that sort of like, she has obviously been told these same lies about herself. You know, she is Tara's cousin and she's probably also been told that she's a demon. And it was just sad to see that narrative. I don't know. Anyway. Um, Spike goes to watch the demon guys kill Buffy. Buffy can't see them because Tara's spell. And it's a whole thing. Tara comes in and she immediately realizes what's happened. Of course, she didn't intend for the spell to go the way that it did. She didn't intend for Buffy to not be able to see any demons. She just didn't want them to see the part of her that is a demon. And as soon as she realized what was going on, she broke the spell. And she apologized and all that stuff. And then we get her dad coming in. I really liked the moment where Willow stops and she looks at Tara and she asks her, do you want to leave? And her dad interrupts like, that's not up to you little lady or something like that. And Willow just snaps at him. I know that. And then she asks her again, do you want to leave? And it's about what does Tara want? And I just really, that just like gives me chills thinking about that. It's, it's a very subtle way to like make that connection to what do you want? It's not explicitly laid out. It's not heavy handed. It's what do you want? It has nothing to do with what he wants for you. It has nothing to do with what I want for you. It's what you want. And I would venture to say this might be the first time in Tara's life that someone has asked her what she fucking wants to do. And it was just a really powerful moment. And the fact that everybody just, as soon as they saw Willow defending Tara, they just backed her up and they were like, we're her family, bitch. And again, all the facial expressions of everyone in the background during these scenes, like Nicholas Brendan in particular was doing a really good job of having the right facial expressions during this scene. I I just felt very drawn to him for some reason, Um, which is odd to say. I don't usually appreciate Xander, but I think at this point we're solidly in the space of Xander is supportive guy kind of emotionally intelligent guy he's sort of advice guy at this point Xander is very much on the path to being a reasonable dude almost always throughout the rest of the series this was just like a really touching scene to see everyone have Terrace back even though they don't really know her that well they will still call her family even though they don't really know her that well. And it's because of their connection to Willow, but still, it's sweet. Um, Spike comes up and he punches Tara to prove the point that, like, it causes him intense neurological pain. So, obviously, she doesn't have any demon in her. So, it calls on her dad's bullshit. And then... Um, this is, I think it's important to note that like Spike didn't have to be involved in any of this. Like if all he cared about was Buffy, which it's true, that's all he cares about, but he also cares whether or not Buffy is happy. So he, he just by extension cares about everyone that Buffy cares about. So even though he's saying he doesn't care what happens, he's here And he does care. He didn't have to cause himself intense neurological pain to prove a point, but he did. Like, that's why Spike is different. Spike is not completely evil like other vampires. Spike has more to him. And this is a moment that proves that, I think. So I really liked the party scene at the very end. It was like really short, but it was just showing, it was just showing little moments, like showing, like you didn't hear anyone actually talking and what they were talking about, but, but it showed like Xander telling a joke to Willow and her laughing. And like, um, I don't know. It was just a really sweet little scene. It was very short, just showing like little moments of a party and like Tara having a birthday party. And different things happening during Tara's birthday party and of course the super sweet moment at the very end I I don't know let me know if you guys feel the same way I love that we get to see a lesbian relationship on television in the year 2000 it's a big deal but I never, like I always really, really, really love Tara, but I never really felt it between the two of them. And I think that's because of Willow. I've never really fully felt connected to Willow and I'm just wondering if it's a fault of the writing or if it's just like a personal thing with me. Like I can't feel connected to Willow for some reason. Like I don't, sometimes I do feel like I dislike her. I just feel like all of her, I feel like the character development of Willow is either like super selfishly motivated. Like when she's trying to like get to the end of an emotional quest, like take a shortcut to an emotional situation or she's just being super supportive to Buffy. And it just feels like her character isn't fully fleshed out to me but I'm just wondering if any of y'all feel super connected to Willow and if so, why do you feel connected to Willow? Let me know. Um, I would love to, to hear different perspectives on that because like it could be a failing of me why I don't feel connected to Willow. Like I love both of her relationships so much. She has the best boyfriend ever in Oz and she has the best girlfriend ever in Tara and like I love both of those characters so much and they're not necessarily fully developed, rounded characters. I just feel like Willow being like one of the main four characters of the show, I feel like we should know more about her. I mean, I guess we do know her, but it just feels like she doesn't actually have that much depth. I don't know. Like, what is it? Why am I keeping Willow at arm's length? Let me know what you guys think about that. I think it's possible that I I actually identify with her a little too much. I think it is unquestionable that Willow is a Slytherin. Like, I'm not actually a Harry Potter person, but I do like the like like the Hogwarts houses thing. So, I probably said this before, but my theory, let me know if you disagree. Willow is Slytherin. Giles is Ravenclaw. Xander is Hufflepuff, and Buffy is Gryffindor. I mean, I don't see how you could even argue with that, right? I mean, I don't know much about Harry Potter, so maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, um, let me know what you guys think about Willow. <laughs> I don't know. I just, like, I love this moment. It's a very sweet moment when they're like, you know, kind of like floating in the air. and But I think the reason why I think it's sweet is because it's two women and it's the year 2000. And because I love Tara as a character, I don't know that I actually feel a connection between Tara and Willow. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like Tara, I feel like Willow likes Tara for what Tara can bring to Willow. I feel like it's sort of a narcissistic relationship. And I feel like it's that way from the very beginning. And there was this moment, I can't believe I haven't brought it up yet, but there was this moment after Tara has like the upsetting conversation with her dad when he breaks into her, um, her dorm room. Afterwards, Willow comes over and Tara's just kind of shut down. She's like, I, I'm kind of tired tonight. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do shit with your friends right now. And Willow is just super shitty about it. Did you guys think that? (sighs) I just didn't like how she treated her. It was like the first time ever Tara has been like kind of frustrated with Willow and Willow does not take it well. She's just kind of like, okay, well I'll leave now. I just really hated that. I, I feel like if Willow really gave a shit about Tara, she would have stuck around and been like, oh my God, I've never seen you this upset. Like Do you want me to stay here? Like a simple offer to stay there with Tara instead of going to the Scooby meeting or whatever the fuck, which didn't look like it was about anything anyway, would have been all I would have needed to feel a little kernel of Willow gives a shit about Tara, but that didn't happen at all. Like Tara ended up kind of apologizing to Willow because of Willow's reaction to Tara being kind of like short- because she was frustrated. It just, it just upset me. That moment upset me this time. I don't know if I've felt that before while while watching this episode, but it really upset me this time. Anyway, so there's that. (laughs) So that moment at the end of the episode when Willow or Tara says to Willow, like, no matter what, even when I'm at my worst, you make me feel special. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it when she said that because I thought, when have you ever been at your worst, Tara? A. B. When has Willow ever been nice to you when you are at your worst? Like you snapped at her earlier in this episode, which is understandable because you were frustrated and there was family shit going on. And it's totally understandable that that would happen for like a second. And she was shitty to you. So what do you mean? I don't know. I feel like the new person gaslighting Tara in her life is Willow. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, (laughs) um, what else do we have in the notes? That's it really. So that's the episode. So we did object of the episode. We did outfit of the episode, quote of the episode. Hmm. I don't know who fucking cares anymore. Really? Honestly, I don't even write it down every time anymore. Whatever. I don't remember a particular quote that stood out a lot. Um, so let's just skip that five by five ratings. How enjoyable was this episode? This is an important episode. Like I, this is one of the ones that when I see the word family as the episode title, I know exactly what, which, which episode this is. Um, it's enjoyable It's important I don't know I'd give it a 3.5 3.5 sounds good um and then as far as like yeah let's just end with that because like trying to decide I feel like I'm not the person to to decide like how inclusive an episode is like we don't see an entire person of color we see some lesbianness but it's all white people, lesbianness, and, yeah, definitely some internalized misogyny coming from the Amy Adams character, like, I don't know, whatever. So I don't know if I'm gonna do ratings anymore, guys. It's <laughs> just gonna be outfit of the episode and object of the episode. I'm gonna keep it light. <laughs> Not really. But, um, I just don't think that shit is super important. I don't know. What do you guys feel? Do you think that I should abandon like ratings altogether? Like, is that something that's important to you that I have at the end of the episode? Is it a ritual you enjoy? If so, I will continue doing it. Please let me know. Um, My email is in the description notes always. Okay. What else can we talk about? Um, Oh yes. (laughs) The angel episode. So Guys Will Be Guys is an episode of Angel. It is indeed. (laughs) I did watch it. This is the one where Wesley, um, so Angel's like, fucking Darla. This whole fucking Darla bullshit. So if you guys remember in the last episode, it was some shit with Darla. A lot of, a lot of some shit with Darla. And he now knows that she's been a succubus for the last several episodes. Pretty much the whole season, Darla has been Angel's succubus, like sucking his soul out through his dreams and being real rapey in his dreams as well. Um, And he, he goes to, so Lorne suggests that he go see this Swami guy, whatever the fuck that word means. Um, so like a cabin in the woods, kind of normal looking lumberjack older dude that asks him insightful psychologist type questions. And so he's off doing that. And some like mafia like dudes come in and they like threaten Wesley and they're like, we need to see your boss right now. And so or they're threatening Cordelia and Wesley comes in and he pretends to be angel because he's trying to save Cordelia. And this is an episode written by Jane Espenson. There were a lot of like, I don't know, sexist jokes. Is that, is that what you would call when you call, like, a boy sissy and make those kinds of jokes? Whatever that kind of thing is. Like, Cordelia's been laying it on real thick with Wesley lately. Like, she makes a joke about, like, do you have any man's clothes? And it's just like... Anyway. So, Wesley impersonates Angel to protect... This young woman who is like 24. The dad thinks she's in danger. He's a warlock or something, or a wizard. That's what they call him. He's a wizard. And you later find out that he is actually going to, his plan is to sacrifice his daughter to a demon on his 50th birthday to gain power. So he's basically controlled her his entire life talk about Captain Gaslight and told her that she was in danger at different points in her life Um, and so she spent a lot of her life like locked up in her bedroom he's kept her away from men because he always knew he was going to sacrifice her on his 50th birthday apparently and she would need to be a virgin for that to work and turns out it didn't work like she, even though she was restricted to like only like male servants of varying types to her family, she fucked several of them. And I liked the moment that like, you know, you find out that she is not a virgin and you think it's because she slept with Wesley earlier in the, earlier in the episode when she thought that Wesley was angel, they actually like made a connection. It was actually kind of cute. It was kind of sweet. Um, I felt an actual connection between those two characters. And, um, so they like, they get together and you think that she lost her virginity to Wesley. And then you find out she's like, no, I haven't been a virgin for a long time. Dad, (laughs) like what the fuck are you talking about? Like, and there was no, like besides gun making a stupid, like slut shamey joke. There was no other slut shaminess. Within that moment, it was just like, um, are you serious? I'm 24 years old. I know you tried to keep me from men, but it didn't work, Dad. (laughs) Um, it was a decent episode of Angel, I would say. We're, I mean, I've said it before, we're in kind of like the sweet spot of Angel episodes. Like, seasons two and three are pretty solid for the most part. Season one was kind of crappy. Season four is the worst, but season two and three where we're in right now is actually, it's pretty good. It's not bad. I don't mind it. Um, I'm glad I'm watching them again, actually. Um, But yeah, I don't have much. I didn't, I don't take notes on the Angel episodes because I don't want to talk about them too much. That's all it was. It was just Wesley pretending to be Angel. Like the whole metaphor of this episode was everybody has two selves, you know, Angel has his. Some of the stuff that like the Swami guy was saying to Angel was pretty insightful. Like you care about image a lot. You drive a convertible and you live in LA and you're a vampire. So you obviously have a death wish or you care so much about image that you don't care. Um, And it was, it was some insightful, psychologically insightful shit before you find out that the Swami guy was actually not that guy. It was somebody that was supposed to distract Angel for some reason. I didn't understand the whole plot, whatever. doesn't matter. Um, it was not bad. It was not a bad episode. It was genuinely enjoyable. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, I hope you guys are okay. Um, we made it. We made it through election 2020. I don't know. Maybe it's too soon to say that we made it through it. We don't know what kind of fits our president is going to throw. Obviously, he's not going to admit. He's not going to concede. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm not here to talk about politics. It's not my thing. I hope that you guys are, like, taking care of yourselves. I think it's really important to, like not pay attention to the news 24 seven because it's really not good for you to be that entrenched. Um, So stay away from it as much as you can. It's okay to distract yourself. You don't have to think about that stuff all the time because we, unfortunately, we have very little control over that shit. As long as you voted, you did what you could. So it is okay to take a step back from it as much as you can. Like be safe take care of yourselves. Um, it's important. Um, I hope you guys are all doing well and I will see you next week where God damn it. We're going to talk about fool for love. Very important in the spike universe. It is such a good episode. It's one of those ones where like, there's so much pressure. Um, it's probably one of my top 10 episodes of Buffy, I would think. Um, so I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. I am so lucky that I don't have to work next Saturday. So I'll be able to like, um, record earlier, earlier in the day. I'll be able to like spend some time, like really digging in with this episode and hopefully I'll be a little less delirious because right now it is 1130. (laughs) Thanks for listening guys. You're the best. I will see you next week. Bye.